This is the Right Now Podcast with Sarah Werner. Episode 124, Beautifully Broken with Sean Howard. Welcome to Right Now, the podcast that helps all writers, aspiring, professional, and otherwise, to find the time, energy, and courage you need to pursue your passion and write. I'm your host, Sarah Werner, and I have another interview ready for you today, and I'm really excited to share it with you. So first, to answer a question that I've had from a lot of listeners, no, the Right Now podcast is not permanently becoming an interview show. Because I like to be 1 million percent honest with you, I'm going to tell you that every time I've sat down to record a, I don't know if I call them monologue episodes of right now, but every every time I have sat down to record an episode of right now in the more traditional way, you know, just me and the microphone, I go through my list of topics and I just get into this awful panicked place And I'm going through my list of topics and all I can think is, oh, I'm not qualified to talk about this, or I'm not good enough to talk about this, or I have no idea what I would say about this topic. I don't have enough experience or I'm not smart enough. And to be honest, which is what I'm going to be in this episode, I think a lot of this is coming with some depression and anxiety that I've really been feeling lately. I've wrestled with anxiety and depression for pretty much my entire life. And in, gosh, I want to say 2015 or 2016, I finally went to a doctor and talked about it and have been on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication for about the last probably five or six years. The medication hasn't made my anxiety and depression go away. That's not really how it works. What it does is just make sure that things are a little more smoothed out. So the lows aren't as low as they have been. But I have no idea why for the past two or three weeks, it's been bad again. And I've been on the same dose of medication and it's just, it's been really, 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 (laughs) really hard to function every day, to feel excited about my work, to feel good about this beautiful life that I have. And the funny thing is, I am fully intellectually aware that I have a really beautiful and wonderful life. But when the depression and anxiety get their knobbled little fingers digging through my brain, it can be really hard to see or remember that. And maybe this is something that you've dealt with as well. Maybe this is something that you've never felt. Maybe you're struggling with something else entirely. But lately, I have just felt so deeply exhausted and inadequate and not enough. I hope it's okay that I'm talking to you about this. But I think it's important that I tell you the truth and that you know that even people like me who from the outside are very bubbly and positive. Sometimes we just can't muster the inertia, the motivation, the 
wherewithal to get out of bed or to take a shower. My partner Tim has been so kind and caring and generous lately and will very gently remind me sometimes that, hey, Sarah, it's been a couple days. Maybe you should go take a shower and take care of yourself. You'll feel better. I had the distinct pleasure and honor recently of being able to speak with one of my literary heroes, Anne Lamott, who you may know as the author of Bird by Bird, one of the very first books that I read on writing. And in our conversation, which was recorded, so hopefully I'll be able to share that with you soon, Anne talks about the importance of what she called a beloved community. And Tim is part of that community. And I also have a close-knit group of friends who are mostly also writers. And this beloved community is often the thing that keeps us going, that reaches out, that helps us understand who we are and where we are and heals us. So I get to hang out with these beautiful individuals, well, some of these beautiful individuals, every Friday afternoon. Well, and I get to hang out with Tim all the time, which is great. <laughs> but last week we met and I was like, I'm just drowning. And all I can think about is how useless I am and how I'm not qualified to teach anyone anything. Yes, even though I absolutely just had an episode of the Right Now podcast about trusting yourself. These things come and go in waves. And just because we learn something, I think, doesn't mean that we live it forever after. Doubt creeps in, and anxiety creeps in, and depression creeps in, and other things creep in and steal away that confidence of the new learning that we just discovered. So I just allowed myself to be completely and radically honest, and I admitted to my writing group that I was behind in recording Right Now episodes, that I had nothing I thought of value to say or to share. And one of the members of my group, Sean Howard, was like, you know what? We're going to jump on a call right now and record a conversation. And that's going to be your next Right Now podcast episode. And of course, my first gut reaction was resistance. And I was like, oh, no, Sean, don't waste your time. Don't worry about it. I'll be okay. I'll think of something to talk about. And Sean was like, no, let's do this. You ready? <laughs> so what follows here is a very, very candid discussion with my very, very good friend, Sean, about mental health and creativity and how none of us are perfect and that it's okay to ask for help and accept help when it's offered and that these beloved communities that we have, these beautiful people who surround us, make our lives more full and rich and beautiful than we could make them ourselves. Quick final note, as usual, there will be show notes for this episode out at sarahwerner.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-W-E-R-N-E-R.com. I invite you to leave your thoughts, your comments in the, I guess, comments section uh, for this episode. I would love to hear if you're comfortable sharing. I would love to hear about your own experience with mental health as a creator and just, just how you're doing because I think that we have a beloved community of our own. So, okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with Sean Howard, Beautifully Broken. Why do we believe we're, why, 
why do <laughs> why do consciously we know we're not broken and yet we're so quick to believe we are mm. wow i wonder if it is partially the way that we've been socialized the way that we've been brought up like you know okay so here here goes sarah on a on a rant but you know we're the way that societies work is you know something's wrong if something's different, right? Like, I feel like we right. internalize that. And so, you know, from a really tribal sort of way of looking at things, you know, if something sticks out, it's a problem that needs to be fixed. It's not necessarily something that we should honor and venerate, even though often it is. And I, I think that growing up in systems that are maybe a little bit stricter than they maybe could be, such as, you know, I grew up in the public school system, I grew up in the church, I grew up in uh, these places where there's very hard-coded ways to act and think and exist. And if you think and act and exist outside of a lot of those rules, then you're the problem. Right. There's no room or recognition for neuroatypical. Yes. Yes, or, exactly. Or any difference, whether it's sexual or behavioral or mental. Yeah, exactly. Identity driven. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think that we're very slowly as a society getting better at loving people and respecting differences and even just acknowledging that different does not mean broken or bad. It just means different. And I don't know, but there's I think we've internalized so much of that that's and we've also like really venerated this idea of what it means to be typical or normal and we all want to get there. Like that's like a destination that's been set up for us. It's like, oh, how can I course correct my behavior and my entire being so that it like more tightly conforms? And so, and a lot of that is, see, I'm going to go on this like rant, but like so much of that too it. is fear-based because, you know, we're afraid of being disliked or cast out mm -hmm. or abandoned or, you know, whatever, because we all just have this innate desire to fit in. <laughs> despite what all the Disney and Pixar movies tell us about how nice it is to stand out. So that's, that's those are some of my thoughts just right off the bat. Oof. Yeah. How do we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do we not smooth out our own bumps? Like, how do we venerate our own differences? Like, in a world where we're constantly comparing ourselves to people who appear to have their bumps smoothed out. Mm-hmm. Or other creators who seem to have made peace with their bumps and are actually using them in a way that's like beneficial to their art. So that's interesting. Maybe that's but but okay, so I could see a positive side of that, Ooh. right? Like looking at another creator and saying, they've talked about having the same issues I have and look at what they're doing. But I feel like there's a dark side even to that comparison still. Where I look at them and I say, they say they feel the same as me. They've written all those things, but clearly they're better at it than I am. Like, once again, it's like, it's really easy to see ourselves as somehow broken or not good enough. Oh, I have another idea. Going back to what you, I like what you said about we see like the creative output of these people or we see any output, like they're doing that, you know, they're. They're getting out of bed and they're answering their emails and they're going to the grocery store. What we see is, and it's sort of like, 
another version of like the social media effect, right? Where we we curate what parts of our lives other people see and compare themselves to. So like, right. you know, if we look at another creator um, and we say like, wow, they put out a book every year. They're so on top of things. We're not seeing their inner life and we're not, we're, we're comparing our whole messy selves with like their highlights. So I think that that's, that's part of why comparison can be dangerous and why like trying to shape ourselves towards some kind of thing that we perceive as normality. We're not seeing the whole picture of what's normal for that person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think as creators, we're also confounded by the fact that we don't want normalcy. Mm. We mm. want the, we, we, we idolize often these other creators who have this amazing gifts or things we really respect, but often who don't fit the norms, right? They, they buck the trends and they, I don't know, like I often, when I look at creators I admire, they, they, can, they tell the system to go F itself, right? And so it's like a double conundrum of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm specifically picking those people who have these intense edges and then trying to compare myself to them. Right. I don't even I don't know. It's interesting when you bring it up. I was trying to say, like, how often do I stop and compare myself to and there's nothing wrong with this, but 2.5 children, mm. whatever their sexuality, have a house, work both working in corporate America, got the retirement, have everything sort of settled. And I, I don't compare myself because I don't I don't want any of that. Some financial security would be nice, but <laughs> right. But I don't want those things. And you know what? It it for me, it took me a long time to realize that I didn't want those things. And I think I'm even still realizing that. You know, I left the the eight to five workspace, but like part of me still wanted to be a part of it because it felt normal and it felt like belonging, and it felt structured. I actually just finished doing this journaling series with Jen Carrington, who's a coach in the UK. And she talks about like opting out. We get to opt out of certain aspects of what we consider to be a normal lifestyle. And like that just kind of blew my mind because it's like, oh, it's okay if I don't want, you know, to buy a house. It's okay if I don't want kids. It's okay if at this time I'm not interested in making more money or, you know, like what it's and it's just yeah. But it takes so long to like distill out what you actually want versus what you've been told that you want yeah. and what you've been told that you should be and what you've been told <laughs> that you can't be or you never can oh, or never yeah. will be. 100%. Getting the diagnosis of neuro being neuroatypical, which is very recent for me, was very freeing. Mm, right? Tell now, me more. Tell well, me more. I mean, it happened to me after the age 50, but it was suddenly like... I don't know. It's just, it was, I mean, a label is a label, but to have somebody else validate, mm. oh no, I see that and you're not alone and you can, you can get help with some of the things that you want to fix or improve is, is mind altering, yeah. right? When I feel like suddenly I'm comparing the rest of my long life to date as just a hamster spinning in a wheel forever fighting these things I didn't understand we're there, right? As limitations or, or things I have to compensate for or overcome or whatever. And I, all right, this is crazy. I haven't thought this through. Okay, go on, go, just go for it. 
What if we just embrace that we're broken? Mm. What's wrong with owning this fact? What's wrong with saying, I don't want to be norm. I don't want those things that that everybody, ha- you know, has in different cultures have different pressures, right? For, I guess, what is what is the norm or what it is you're supposed to do? But what if I could just shout to the world, I'm broken and and I love it. Like, it's okay. Mm. And, you know, because otherwise... If feeling broken is something that I don't own, I'm constantly mm. susceptible to being sold the next fix for whatever it is I'm feeling versus F it. Like, I'm broken and I'm beautiful and it doesn't mean that I am not amazing. It does not mean that I cannot get help or do things, but it does mean you don't have power on me anymore to say, and I'm talking to my other voice, right? Mm. Like. That other voice in me no longer has power on me to say, well, you have to do X. And I'm like, no, no, I don't fit that mold. I don't know. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. And I'm thinking, sorry, it's going to take me a second to like mentally digest this. That's so, I yeah, because there's such an interesting gulf between wanting to say I'm not broken, I am whole yeah. as I am, but also saying I am whole as a broken person, right? Yes. 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 Like this whole idea, what I love about what you talked about earlier is we are actively trying to smooth out our own bumps to fit, to mm-hmm. belong, mm-hmm. to to be like others, uh, to be socially acceptable <laughs> versus saying I am not smooth. Right. I, I break that mold and it's OK. And I think we all in essence, we're all broken. Yeah. In many different ways, like, you know, we're taught we're having a conversation about like being neurotypical, but like, it's just, we we are sure. told we're broken in so many ways, or that there's something wrong with us, or I one of the, I mean, one of the things that my <laughs> dark career in marketing and advertising sort of taught me was that the easiest thing to do is to prey on people's deepest fears about themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not a good thing. Mm-mm. No, that's how deodorant was invented. Yeah. Did you know that? So many things. There wasn't there wasn't a need for deodorant until all these marketing executives invented deodorant and then invented the need. They invented the fear that like, oh, people are going to think you smell bad if you don't wear deodorant. Oh, good. There's a motorcycle. Awesome. Good. That's really good. I, I like that outside. Yeah, so marketing executives said like, hey, you're, you smell bad and everybody's going to shame you and laugh at you. And people are like, oh, I better start buying deodorant. And like now every like it's completely normalized deodorant. Right. That's and like so, the, yeah. Yeah, that's like the story. I don't know. I, I've always wanted to research just how true it is. But there's the story. It, it's been in podcasts and documentaries about how uh, mental illness was introduced mm. into Japan by pharmaceutical companies. <gasps> it was the same thing. Right. There wasn't necessarily a word or a, it was dealt with in a different way. And suddenly it was this anyways, similar thing. Right. Yeah. So when we have a part of ourselves that we are ashamed of, we can we're, we we are in essence. There's a risk that we can very easily give power to someone else mm. or outside forces or social influence or social pressure or right. Mm. That makes me think that, you know, when you talk about things that we're ashamed of, 
Are we ashamed of them because there are things that society have told us about ourselves that are broken, but are actually maybe not broken? <laughs> it's funny. If you had asked me that a month ago, Sarah, I would have told you that that's 100% I think the case, mm. right? Tell me more. Well, I, okay, so I was diagnosed, I think it's just two and a half weeks ago. It's a very funny story uh, with ADHD or ADD or whatever it's called. I should know. Uh but I was so excited in the moment. Like, it was a strange. Like, I was dreading it, but mm -hmm. also then so relieved. But prior to that, I would have agreed. I would have been like, it's just social pressures, whatever. Mm. But I do have some intrinsic challenges that I have I have faced my entire life. And, and it, it just, they seem so ridiculously small. And to tell anyone about them, right, I was like, well, it's it's not depression. It's not this. It's not it's not life threatening. I, but it really impacted the quality of my life. The way I could hold, I couldn't hold jobs. Mm. Like so many things now, I'm just like flowing down and being like, oh, that was this maybe. And so it's like that's I think the hard part when we look at a part of ourselves and we like, we know something's not right, mm. and there's something maybe real there too. Yeah. But but then like. How do you own that? How do you go? Oh, sorry, let me put it into words better. Yeah. The moment of recognizing a problem, a series of problems that I had. And again, it's just with a diagnosis and, and you know, those labels change mm. and diagnoses change over the years. But was a moment of freedom, mm. right? Because I was like, maybe I could move to do something about these things I've struggled with my whole life mm. that didn't involve blaming myself, uh, feeling like I'm just not good or, or able to follow through on anything in my life or, you know, all these weird stories I had in my head. Yeah. But it was also this really empowering moment of realizing I'm okay with mm -hmm. that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I am. I like, <laughs> if, if I can jump yeah, in, please. like what I, what I'm hearing is, you know, we, we talk about once, once we have a name for something, once we have a label for something that allows us to not only understand that we're not quote unquote broken in some not able to understand way, we're, we're quote unquote broken or different in a way that other people are. So like you said earlier in our conversation, you know, you're not alone, but you also have this label now and those words, even having a word um, and it's reminding me of that New York Times article about languishing. Mm. Once you have a name for something, you're like, oh, this awful, desperate thing that I'm feeling. Oh, it's languishing. Or as Austin Kleon says, oh, it's dormancy. Oh, okay. Now I now that I have a label for it, I can understand that there are paths. These paths are open to me, like mentally. And I can travel down this path and decide if I want to treat it this way or I can treat it this way. It becomes understood. It becomes... I don't know. It, it becomes something that we are able to process in a different way, I think, just because we have a word for it, which blows my mind because, you know, there's good and bad aspects to labeling. Like, I don't want to be labeled as something because I feel like that puts me into a box. But also there's great right. comfort in being put into a box because you're like, oh, I'm in this box with some other people who are experiencing the same thing that I'm experiencing. And we're all in this together. And when you look at us and, and you don't compare people outside of the box to the people inside of the box, we all feel normal and whole. 
because we're not comparing ourselves to something that we either have more of or less of than people outside of this box of this label. Yeah. No, it's 100%. And I think it's hard to embrace our brokenness and own it Mm. in a way that's uplifting Mm. if we don't see a path (laughs) Mm -hmm. to functioning. Mm. So I think my answer... If we'd have chatted about this a month ago, it would have been very different. Tell me, right? t- and but, tell me more about that, like how your mindset has changed. So a month ago, I lived in coping, mm-hmm. right? I have many, many years of my creative life with insane levels and, and strategies of coping, most of which feel now like superstition. <laughs> oh, well, you can't like... Don't judge yourself, you know, like don't. No, no. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, I won't. Okay. But they do. They they like so many of the things I would try to help myself are not that different from a black cat crossing the street. Oh, go do this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'd be like, oh, I, I well, here's one of them. I haven't worried today. I have to go check all my to do lists. <sighs> wow. Right? Wow. Like, yes, yes. It, mm-hmm. it, right. So there's all these things that are are. They're not tied mm-hmm. to a an actual trigger that makes sense, right? They're, they're an atypical response to a trigger, meaning there is no trigger that is triggering them. They're just like, oh, I haven't had an ex, so I should not worry. Mm. Or there's so many. Like my whole life, because I spent so many years trying to figure out why other people could sit down for – here's the thing. I could not book meetings. Mm. I couldn't do it. It it would take a Herculean effort for me to book a meeting. So I'd be so proud when I would book a, a hang for our patrons. And then nine months later, I'd be like, oh, shit. I need to, like I have it in my calendar every first of the month. Book a hang. It's just book a hang with patrons. Like play a game, do whatever. I could not book meetings. And so then I was like, I would try and get other people, right, to book the meeting and but anything attached to meeting, I couldn't do. So I couldn't even remind other people <laughs> to book the meeting. There was this weird cascade thing that I didn't understand. So I mm. had all these strategies and things that I think would make it really hard to own. Do you know what I mean? Like to, mm-hmm. to say to the world, I can't do, I can't sit down and, and work on a project. I can't book a meeting. I, like to try and own those, I would feel, I, it just felt so defeated. I felt so defeated. <sighs> To say those words, you know, to admit that. Yeah. Can I say like, you know, so we've been talking about being uh, neuroatypical. So I I was diagnosed several, several years ago with depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I'm medicated for it now and I have been for the past five years. But having to admit to somebody that you literally could not get out of bed or yeah. that I haven't been able to shower in four days, it's just like, I can't say that to anyone Like, I'm supposed to be a young professional, right? I'm like a marketing strategist. I can't tell people I'm struggling with not being in bed 24 hours a day, right? Because, you know, I know, insert judgment here. So yeah, yeah, it's and and I think that can be applied to so many things that we struggle with. Yeah. I hope I didn't just derail your your train of thought, but I just wanted to You are dead in the center of this. And it's so hard, right, to not want to be like, oh, well, my thing's not as, you know, whatever. But this, okay, so we talk a lot about 
you and I have talked a lot about, and we talk a lot in our industry, and I've heard you talk about on this show and others that you have other shows, in case you're wondering. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I've heard this idea of having a writing group, having a creative group that you get together with. But what's starting to emerge for me is having a group of other people who are, the, not say I have the same diagnosis as you, mm. but other people who are atypical, who can surround yourselves with and say and see and, and hold each other up, right? Those safe spaces where you can say, I got a diagnosis, you know, I recently told our group that we're in, I got a diagnosis and everyone was just so supportive and, and wonderful. Yeah. And that's so important because I think that's a step towards saying, hey, I am this beautiful shard of glass with all these edges, right? And mm. I don't need to be smooth, but that's so much easier to do. Like I was saying earlier, if we found help, if we found yes. the thing that can help us. Yeah. Yes. What What was the thing that helped you? Or And if we're getting off track, yeah. we can like table that until no, you're this done. Is, no, this is 100% it yeah. because – what we started today with, we're so down the rabbit hole, but what we started today was this idea of how, how easy it is for us to believe in that next productivity hack. Yes. Yes. Continue. And this is it. This is it. This is what, what you just mentioned is it. If we, if we aren't able to find that help, right, or to find that space where we can be like, I am beautiful in this way and I am broken and it's beautiful and I can own it. Then instead, we can come from this place I talked about with marketers can take advantage mm -hmm. of, which is this shame or this this hidden secret, right? You talked earlier about how from the outside, you know, the people we idolize show us the best of themselves, right? Even though they try to be whatever. They try to be like we authentic, but it's like safe yeah. authentic. It's, it's an authenticity. Right. They're like you know, I spilled my oatmeal this morning. And you're like, oh, that's so authentic. I spilled my oatmeal. And what they're not telling you is I broke down and cried in the shower. And then I bit my nails right. until they bled. Like, they're, that's the stuff they're not telling us. Like, the real 100%. weird, you know. Yeah. And we're not doing it either. Yep. Right? I'm not. I'm not either. I, I assume, yeah. So, because it was the thing I couldn't say. I was so ashamed. And like, you know, when I had – so what mine would get to at the extreme would be three days where I had to retreat from all contact and hide in the basement. And mm -hmm. I would have to come up with reasons why I'm canceling meetings. And and during those times, what's funny is because I was sitting there for so long, I would post on social. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'd like, mm -hmm. here's a photo from I'd be going through. I'd be trying to, you know, going through my list of photos and I would do it as if it just happened or I don't right. know. Like, like what's something that makes me look normal? <laughs> oh, look, here's a selfie I took four weeks ago and I'm just going to pretend that's me now. Oh, yes. I'm picking blueberries. Yeah, it's winter. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> blueberries in winter. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're a winter cool. fruit. Yeah, sure. And yep. so and that's where when when I would emerge I'd have this energy, right? When I would come mm -hmm. out of this, I'd be like, I got energy. I'm going to go. So I'll go and I'm going to buy the new thing or I'm going to sign up for a course. I'm going to, I would instantly try to find something that I could be like, you know, and, and then it's yet another proof point of how I don't fit, right? Yeah. How I'm not good enough because Ooh. I've taken the course. I've got the, I've done all the things and I still haven't written my book, mm. right? I want to, I want to look at, What's the relationship between, like you said, I'm not good enough. And the, you know, the word enough, we talk about that a lot because not being enough, not being whole, what's, what's the relationship between being enough and being broken and 
Or is there a difference? Are are we talking about synonyms? I love it. I want to take back Broken now. It was funny because people don't realize Sarah and I had this lovely conversation on Twitter about telling each other, we're not broken. And I want to now be like, I am. I am broken and I'm beautiful. And, you know, I want to call it back. I want to be like, I am not normal. I've never wanted normal. Neither of us, I think, have ever wanted Well. There were times I think when both of us probably we, did. I think, I we, think did. we wanted the normalcy of normal. Like I didn't actually want to be normal, but I wanted to, to appear normal. Right. right. I wanted right. to be able to fit in. I would like I was like a chameleon. I could go in yes. and do the thing and then come out and be like, ah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and from the outside, you're really good at that. Yeah. You I know, know, I see you at cons, I see you oh, out yeah. and about, and you're just like, you know, fun and charming and just like, wow, there goes Sean. What a great guy, you know? Cons are hell for me. They're, in, oh. Ugh. Me too. I have to yeah. like, I go through like this healing phase after I go to a conference <laughs> or a convention. And you said earlier, like talking about being in the basement for three days, like, yep. mm-hmm. Same. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, we're building up to a con. I find I have to like start pulling back and I have to like. I have to be very careful who I get around, right? I I have to be only around safe people that don't pull energy out of me because I'm I'm trying to build up the batteries so that I could then survive over three days, right? Safe people. I love that Mm. term. And well, and that's exactly what you were talking about earlier about that community that you can trust, like having a safe community. And and everyone's different. There, I think there are people who get energy from being out in certain groups or situations, and then there's people. Like me and probably you, it sounds like, who we give off energy in those situations and we deplete our batteries. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. I don't mind doing that when I'm with someone in deep one-on-one, but I find that doesn't deplete my battery. Very same. So whichever person you are, I think it's just – it's recognizing, you know, how do you manage that, right? So that Mm. you have energy when you need energy. And I think that having that group of people around you that does give you energy Mm. where you feel like this – this gives me back something is so important. And I urge everyone to find a safe place to be able to shout that you're not normal mm-hmm. and to have everyone just be like, cool and smile and be like, yeah, you know, and even like, celebrate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because maybe we only have one day out of a week where we can get work done. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can't book a meeting if our life depends on it or get any task done that we're supposed to do and only work on other things like whatever our whatever our dilemma is around creating there's something in having there's something in having confidence and saying that's okay that's enough yeah despite what everyone or everything around you is telling you and seems to be telling you right uh, yeah Um, right because yeah yeah, if, if i was only working one day a week and i accidentally let slip to people who knew me you know oh i only work one day a week you know what kind of comments would you receive right but then who are you announcing that to do you care about those comments i don't know so is is it up to us to normalize our own normal (laughs) to typicalize our own atypicalness (laughs) you know to make up some words I think it is, but I think we we need that space to do it. Mm. And and maybe it's possible to do it through meditation, mm. but I have forever failed. And now I'm realizing habits are a problem with the diagnosis mm-hmm. I have. So my whole life I've had trouble getting, making habits. And it's another thing I thought, oh, I can't get up and write every morning. So I'm not as good as list of authors here, right? Or list oh, of creators. I just want to like go back into the past and tell past Sean and anybody else who's listening who identifies with this. You are wonderful just as you are. 
You are beautiful. You are meaningful. You are worthy. You are worthwhile. You are all of these good and beautiful things. And, you know, we, we've all been on this track for so long where our self-worth, I don't think really comes from ourselves. I think it comes from what gets projected onto us. And it's part of the, the good and bad nature of us being able to label other people and have those labels stick. Yeah. And I wonder if someone, I wonder if I had been able to come to terms with the fact that I was broken in some way, but in a beautiful, right? We're all broken way. Would it have been a little easier for me to have found help? Mm. I don't know. Right? Tell me, tell me um, a little bit about that. Like, what finally spurred you to look for help and, and, and how can people listening decide, oh, is it time for me to look for help? That's hard because we have so many defenses Ooh. that we use to, right, not acknowledge or, right, like, I don't think I'm alone in saying I avoid the doctor and the dentist with every fiber of my being. <laughs> I think this is a common, right, it's a common thing we all face, I think, as humans is... You know, if we're spending, like you talked about, if we're spending our life comparing ourselves constantly, then um, the the last thing we want to do is acknowledge that mm. we have a problem. Like that we, we the last thing we want to do is get proof mm. that all those fears are right, that we aren't good enough to be whatever, even though that can free us up yeah. in so many ways to, to move towards the work we want to do. So I was just always, I think I was just always afraid. I think this year of COVID, from my understanding, from talking to my doctor, has just caused a massive influx of people looking for adult ADHD diagnosis and other diagnoses, I'm sure. So it was a friend who uh, <laughs> is a very good friend and just kept, she would not give up on mm. me. She would send me videos. She would send me, she, she was constantly on me. And the problem with me is I call myself a reverse polarity responder. You know, I was told, Sean, you're like, growing up in high school. My dad was like, Sean, I don't care what you do, but you are going to college. I didn't apply to colleges, right? Like I'm just, that's my, I, I fight. And so I was setting my heels in, but then one of the member, one of our group in our circle, our writing circle, uh, creating circle, uh, told the story of being diagnosed and and I had so many questions like, <laughs> are you not creative anymore? Are you all these things, right, that I've been told? So it was this, um, I think it was just my social network. I started to see people getting diagnosed as adults. And then I was sort of on the fence. I'm like, am I gonna, maybe I'll, maybe I'll book an appointment. And then my partner, Eli, uh, booked an appointment ahead of me. I, 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 all this whole time I was learning, I was like, hey, I think you have this too. And he'd be like, no. And I'd be like, how about this? And you have that. And I have this. And I'd be finding facts online. And then he went and booked the appointment before me. And so I'm very competitive. <laughs> so I was like, no, I'm going to get it. Anyway, he beat me to it. So, um, um, I love that so much. Yeah. I love that so much. So now we know how to motivate you. It's with competition. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I hate to admit it. But like if anyone out there is, is saying, you know, is if you're struggling to do things that other people think is easy, I, I don't know how to put this. Okay, here, I'll put it this way. I, <laughs> even now, I've spent my whole life believing that there's no such thing as people who can sit down with a to-do list they made the night before and do it. I'm like, nope, doesn't exist. No, you're mm. lying. No, it's a dream. You're just... You're just writing your book or whatever to get people to pay you money. And I bought it and I'm reading it, right? 
I didn't. <laughs> There's a book, Deep Work. Love it. Yep. Um, I love it. Yep. Yeah. I, I have think, it right here next to me. <laughs> right. Deep Work is designed for very intense projects. I was using, this is a bit of a you know joke, but I was using Deep Work in order to make sure I made dinner. Like, yeah. I was using deep work for everything. <laughs> I was like, if I live this like a robot, maybe this will work. Right? So if I was overcompensating mm. for my inability to, to sit down and do work. One time a client uh, was working in the agency world was, was one of these big finance firms with floor after floor of cubicles. They're literally just – that. you say sea of cubicles. It's a sea of cubicles. And I literally wasn't allowed to go to the client anymore. I got removed from the account because I would go, we, we would have to come in through the elevator and they had to meet you because of security. And they would lead you through and I would do the, the same thing every time. Not because I was trying to be a jerk. I was like, what did they do? And what did they do? And I would just go past each person and they'd start, but they go, oh, they're an actuary that does blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what about them? And they'd be like, well, they're also an actuary that does whatever. And I'm like, what about them? And like, there was just hundreds, thousands of these people just sitting at a computer typing and doing their checklists, right? Like of monotonous work. And I thought, literally, I didn't believe they were real. I was like, these cannot be real humans. It's not Just because this was so like foreign to your own experience? Okay. Right? I could not sit down and do a monotonous task every day at a certain time and then finish a checklist and go, okay, we'll pick up there tomorrow and go home and let's, you know, woo, feel good. But I literally could not have done it, right? Like, yeah. it, in, because it was in, it was not possible for me to even do that work. Yes. Not to say even now I'd want to, but you know what I mean? Like that disconnect between what I knew some people could do in the world, because they're clearly doing it, and what I thought was possible for a human to do, it's hard to like put into words. But if you're out there listening and you're like, wow, yeah, I really just can't do certain tests and you're feeling like that's a sign, right? It's a sign that maybe there is it's worth getting a diagnosis or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or any other issue. But yeah, for me, that was I just kept thinking I need a different. (laughs) I just thought I needed more motivation. Right. Wow. Or more more willpower. More willpower. Thank you. More willpower. Or I'm so like I just you know, I just can't commit mm-hmm. I, yeah even though i'm in a relationship for 20 some odd years yeah no i mm-hmm. can't commit mm-hmm. yeah and there's yeah. oh my gosh oh because you feel broken right and it's like broken in a bad way and we are broken in a shameful yes way. thank you yes, thank yes, you yes. that's that's what i'm looking for and it's like this is how i am and you can view it as broken you can view it as whole but it's who i am and what i am and Judging ourselves by what we're capable of and by what other people say we lack, that motivation, that willpower, whatever it is. Because because we're, we're, we fear it's true. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh. Because we know we can't do the yeah. thing. I can't do the thing. I'm less than everyone else. I mean, it's, you know, my worst gym experiences or whatever you call it. <laughs> like, in, in, if you call it physical education or gym class or whatever you call it, it's like, oh, everybody can climb the rope except for Sarah. <laughs> I can't climb yeah, the rope, 100%. and and I couldn't do the the presidential fitness. To, I don't know if you had that in Canada. Oh, that oh, that destroyed me. Yeah. I did that in the states. Oh, you did, that's right, because yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, I was just a mess on the floor. Oh, yeah. yeah, I couldn't do I the V sit reach. The third station. Oh yeah. my lord. Well, and it turns out I couldn't do the V sit reach because my spine was like I, I have a lot of like medical issues, and like mm-hmm. I had very severe scoliosis, and they didn't find out until after I couldn't do the V sit reach. But like, 
uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this other than mm, having, we need yeah. to form the yeah. we need to form the beautifully broken club. <gasps> and 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 the secret to the beautifully broken club is that we're all in it. <laughs> yeah. But not everyone's ready. Yeah. Not everyone's ready to join the beautifully broken club and then yeah, support each other in in getting help, mm-hmm. but also in in yeah, you know, you are beautiful. Yeah. And even with all those fears and all the things you feel aren't good enough, right? You're still beautiful and amazing. And then being in a space where people can share their stories, right? Yeah. Um, oh, it's in my so case, important. getting getting medicated was mind boggling. It was like it's such an overnight transformation in my case. Mm. And I know it's not always that way. That I mean, still issues, but that validation suddenly that it's not just a diagnosis, but it's treatable. Yes. Is, is, yeah, is, is, is just life. Well, I shared earlier in our group, I didn't start the Right Now podcast or Girl in Space or any of my other projects until after I had gotten on medication for my uh, anxiety and depression. Like before that, I couldn't even handle like going to work every day, you know? Yeah. And, and, and yet you did. And that I was did. weird, right? Like you did have a job and you were, some would say, successful in marketing, right? Like yeah. not just some, like people would say you're successful. And it's like, yeah. And so it, gets, it adds even more weight to this thing that you are struggling to do. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I'm also like, like, oh, is there a way that I can get straight A's? Can I get an A plus in doing this? Because I'm going to push myself to do it. Yeah. It might not be healthy, but like. Competitive. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. One one thousand percent. Yeah, but you know, also I didn't get help until somebody else told me to, and I Same. think this is really what's important about communities and safe spaces and and finding people who you can relate to and who care about you, like genuinely care about you. Long story short, my boss noticed that I was not okay with a capital N and a capital O, and took me out for beers and said. Hey, you know, I think that you should, you know, see someone and there's no shame in it. You know, a lot of people in the office like are on medication and if you are too, it's okay. But just maybe go go talk to somebody. You'll feel a lot better. And it was just that really loving sense of of being reached out to uh yeah. that just So if if you're listening to this and you're having feelings that you're not okay, Please let us tell you if there's if there's no one in your life that's telling you, hey, I want you to take care of yourself and maybe see a doctor or see someone. Let us tell you right now, please take care of yourself and and maybe maybe go see someone, make an appointment, talk to a therapist. And welcome. Yes. Yes. Welcome (laughs) to our beautifully broken. club. Welcome to the beautifully broken club. You're one of us. Um, and we're really, really happy to have you and to host you and to hold space for you here with us. So that's amazing. I think that's an end. I think it is too. Wow. Sean, thank you for being here. I want, uh, I want people to know how amazing you are. We didn't do like a big intro. And so I want to do an outro here that says, Hey, I'm talking today with Sean Howard, who is one of my dearest friends and a creator and just such an amazing person. Can you tell us where people can find you and if they want to consume slash download everything you've ever made? Uh, how can they do that? Well, the first thing they need to do is go and download all of Girl in oh Space. Gosh. That's what they need to do. <laughs> oh, um, Sean. 
And then when you're done with that, come back to this episode that you've forgotten about <laughs> and you can go to Fable and Folly and find all of our shows at fableandfolly.com. It's always a, a joy, Sarah. You are one of my dearest friends. And this was a this was a challenging day. And it's like this new now that I have this, I could never we talked about this earlier. I could not book meetings. Mm -hmm. And so I was really proud of myself when I reached out and said, Hey, I saw in the chat you're having a tough day, Sarah. You and did. I'm just now putting together that yeah, you did the thing. I reached out and I said, I know you're having a tough day. What if what if rather than write this thing, what if we just did a call and transcribed it or whatever? And then I talked about times and that was a big, that was big. deal for me. And it was relatively easy to do. I mean, A, because talking to you is so fun, but then B, because of what's happened since my diagnosis wow. and the medication. Yeah, I wow. could not have. That would have been very difficult for me before. Living proof. I love it. And I freaking love you. Oh, my gosh. This is I'm so excited for you. I'm, I'm so excited, excited for, for you. you. And and please keep taking care of yourself. You too. And those of you who are listening, keep taking care of yourselves. I hope that today's conversation has uh, put things into a new light for you in, in a good way. Again, thank you to Sean. Please check out Fable and Folly. Is it fableandfolly.com? I'll have I'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes for today's episode, as well as uh, make sure that you're listening to Sean's shows, Alba Salix, uh, Civilized, all of the shows that you'll find there under Fable and Folly are amazing and so, so good. But yeah, Sean, thank you again for being here today. And I'm very excited now to share this episode with everyone. So thank you. Me too. <laughs>